among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to this bonus episode, sponsored by Imagined Life, a podcast by Wondery. But more about them here in a little bit. The fine folks over at Wondery were kind enough to sponsor this bonus episode, so you know what that means. You guys get five calls tonight for free. So let's kick things off with our first call of the evening. And why not start with something a little ghostly? The following is Donna's submission from the state of Illinois. Hi, Derek. My name's Donna. I've been listening to the show for a while, and I thought I'd tell you a little ghost story that I have. And, well, it starts out with my boyfriend and I bought a new house in the town we live in, in northwestern Illinois, about two years ago. Now, everyone knows this house. A lot of kids grew up in this house from this one family that they adopted a lot of kids. Now, being it the small town that it is, we is, I'm friends with uh, one of the grandkids that grew up in this house and am good friends with his now ex-girlfriend and her sister. Well, we do a little dinner like maybe once or twice a month and the girls come over and you know we cook food and just play cards and whatnot and the one girl was by my microwave and she yelled at her sister who was probably about 10 feet away in the dining room and just she screamed at her and said quit pulling my hair now she said, you know, no, you're, I'm not pulling your hair. And I looked at her. I said, She's, she was nowhere near to be pulling your hair. And then, you know, we've, we've heard footsteps in the house before. And we know that the one guy's grandpa passed away in this house. His name's Laverne. And getting thinking about it, you know, the younger sister is a CNA. And she actually takes care of of Laverne's wife who's in the nursing home in another town over and like we're like oh yeah yeah that was that was probably just him letting you know that he knows you take care of his wife so I don't know I just thought it was a cool little thing to call about and you know it's kind of like a little happy note so just yeah and keep up with the show love the show so have a good night bye thank you Donna Now, as if being a sibling alone wasn't challenge enough, you now have to put up with T 
teasing ghosts as well. I also enjoy the fact that the house seems to be a bit infamous in your small town. I feel like if I owned a home like that, I would probably do everything I could to help play into the legend. Thank you so much, Donna, for taking the time to share your story. Our next call takes us next door to the state of Indiana. And from there, we look up. The following is Roger's UFO submission. The following is Roger's unidentified flying submission. Hi, Derek. My name is Joe. Uh, I'm originally from Georgia, and uh, I was stationed at Kadena Air Force Base uh, in Okinawa, Japan from 2000 to 2003. I'm a veteran of the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Army. And at the time, uh, I was serving in the Air Force, and like I said, I was in Okinawa. A buddy of mine and myself were walking home from the bowling alley. I think it was, was around midnight, and as we were approaching our barracks, uh, we were walking down the street, and um, we got close to a banyan tree, uh, which is a very iconic part of Japanese culture. Beautiful tree, it's very large, you know, and fruit bats like to hang under it. And if you've ever seen a fruit bat in person, you know that they're pretty scary, you know, alone by themselves. And someone would probably report seeing a, a cryptid if they saw one. But anyway, we, you know, we walked under this tree and looked up and I saw what I thought to be a, a triangular shaped craft that had numerous multicolor lights on it. And it was about 50 feet ahead, above us rather. And there's been some debate over the years, you know, whether or not it was a diamond shape or triangular shape. My buddy says diamond, but I recall it being triangular shape with multicolored lights and not a lot of sound. I mean, it was it was fairly quiet. I mean, uh, I think I could hear my breathing more so than the sound of the craft, but it was, uh, it was very eerie you know, to look up and see that. And it didn't look like any military aircraft that I'd ever seen. You know, a lot of uh, my supervisor told me, oh, that was a stealth. But, I mean, this thing was hovering. I don't think a stealth can hover. I've seen them in person. I've seen them fly and just did not look like that. But my buddy told me, he said, man, uh, are we going to tell anybody about this? And I was like, shoot, yeah, man. We just saw a UFO, brother. So, you know, this was the next day, and we, we told our supervisor, and he was a real good friend of ours, and um, he told us, he says, man, uh, you probably saw a stealth, but you know what? I would just keep it to myself. I wouldn't tell anybody. But it, it was it was pretty neat, uh, to be totally honest. And as it was hovering over top of us, uh, you know, it, it seemed like maybe for 30 seconds or so, looking up at this craft, it just hovered, and... All of a sudden, it flew straight with such lightning speed and precision and just disappeared into the horizon. It was almost like, you know, it was shot from a gun. I mean, it was extremely fast. Our eye almost couldn't maintain. And I mean, even our brains couldn't process how quickly this thing moved. And I looked at my buddy and I told him, I said, man, did you see what I just saw? And he goes, you're damn straight I did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for years, you know, that has really, really stuck with me. And um, 
I thought that was going to be the last time that I ever saw anything. And uh, to be honest, my wife and I were driving uh, back home in Georgia on a, you know, a, a backcountry road around 2014. And this was, uh, we were home for Christmas. So this is December 2014. And we looked up into the sky and saw uh, orbs. And uh, this orb was just slowly zigzagging across the sky from left to right. And then it automatically shot to the right at such a high rate of speed. It just disappeared into the night sky. And she looked at me, I looked at her and I thought, wow, you know, I saw another UFO. And she told me, she goes, another one. So I had to tell her about the story in Okinawa and um, you know, Griffin, Georgia has a lot of uh, history as far as UFOs. Uh, in around 1971, there was a sighting there uh, from a farmer, and it's pretty interesting. And um, you know, it's uh, that's my story. And I love the podcast, man. Uh, hope you guys have a, a good day and take care, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Joe. It's kind of funny that just on yesterday's show, we also played a wedge or triangle-shaped UFO experience. That one took place in the state of Indiana. And of course, we discussed the Lebanon, Illinois wedge UFO flap as well. So obviously, there's something going on up there. Is it our military? Is it extraterrestrial? Or is it something completely out of the box? Thank you again, Joe, for taking the time to share your story. Now our next tale takes us to the state of Michigan. The following is Katie's Squatchy Call. Hey Derek, my name's Katie. This story is about when I was growing up in Michigan in the lower peninsula but the upper part. I don't know if you know Michigan very well but Indian River is this little town about 45 minutes south of Mackinac Bridge, which leads you to the UP, and it's very heavily forested, especially when you get about half an hour, 45 minutes out of town, which is where my family had a big slot of property when I was growing up. Anyway, my cousins and I, we would spend our summers there, and any weekend we could during the spring and fall when we didn't have things to do with school. My grandpa had bought this Ranger which we were allowed to drive because I was 16 at the time, and it was these back dirt roads where there was never anybody. So one day, and I think it was June, it was late in the afternoon, like the sun was still pretty high in the sky, but it was all shady everywhere in the woods, and we were driving it back to this area we called the swamp because it was a swamp. And we'd been there hundreds of times, all the time. It was me, my younger brother, three of my cousins, one of whom was only two at the time, and the others were, you know, 14 and 13, around there. Anyway, we'd been there a lot, and we knew the sounds. Birds, squirrels, crickets, all that mess, always going. Night, day, didn't matter. And we got there. And when I turned the ranger off, everything was quiet. It was never quiet there, because it was a swamp. There was always something. And we all had this really, we all kind of looked at each other, and like the hair on the back of our neck stood up because it was quiet. And we'd been around there for years. We'd been going there since I was like seven. And 
the first grade. And we never heard it quiet. There were bears that came around. Um, one time there was one there was mountain lion, coyotes, all that mess. And even when the bears were at the bird feeder, which, whole other story, there was noise or something. This time there wasn't. And while this was a swamp, it didn't smell because the water actually flowed through it. It was just really boggy. There was this horrible smell. I remember it to this day. It was it was worse than dead skunks, dead roadkill, anything, nothing in my life has ever smelled like this. And like I said, we've been going here for over a decade and I I knew the smells. I knew the sounds, I knew the feels and it was it was wrong. And we started to hear this this cracking. It sounded like something big was walking in the on the path that we would usually we'd go mess around on, catch frogs, see if we could find any turtles, all that. And there was something. We couldn't see anything. We didn't want to see it. None of us were comfortable. My little cousin, who was the littlest two or three, started crying. Um, we, my brother was Kale. My co- other cousins were, they were back in the ranger and buckled up. And I was just standing there because I, I didn't want to see what was there, but I did because I'd always heard stories and we've had weird things happen when we were there before. Um, things that were places they shouldn't be, like way up in a tree with no branches and all this other stuff, but that's another time. And I heard the cracking again and it was, it was closer behind this big bush, like this big wild raspberry bush those were everywhere and sure it could have been a bear but again I've never heard it quiet like that ever and I've never smelled anything like that and I've, I've been around bears I've seen them they've been around the property and they have a smell but it wasn't this smell this was horrible and um, I heard the crack one more time I jumped in the ranger we took off we should go back to that area for the rest of the summer and when our parents asked why we said we told them and they just kind of looked at us and they shrugged it off and we didn't go back until the next year so that was it for that story I'm trying to get my mom to call in because she has a Bigfoot story from St. John's Island in Canada from when she was a little girl that's well a teenager that's it's never changed and it's pretty convincing and I don't want to tell it for her Hopefully she'll call in. Anyway, keep up the good work. I love your show. And um, bye. Thank you, Katie. Now, according to the BFRO website, which is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, an organization affiliated with the show Finding Bigfoot, if you're not familiar. Well, as it turns out, they have well over 100 submissions spanning over the last 30 to 40 years. So it at least seems there's a possibility of some sort of uh, ape-like creature hidden in those Pine Ridge forests. I've never been to northern Michigan. I've spent quite a lot of time in southern Michigan. But I hear it gets pretty wild the further north you go. Thank you, Katie, for not only staying alert, but for also reporting your story. Now, before I hit up our next couple stories of the evening, 
Why not touch on the reason we're here to begin with? What if you could really feel what it's like to put yourself in someone else's shoes? Someone famous, who you may think you know. Wandries Imagined Life gives you that chance. Each episode will take you on an immersive journey through the surprising moments and challenges that shaped someone's life before they were in the public eye. You may realize that you've experienced some of the same struggles, joys, fears, and heartbreak as celebrities as different from each other as Princess Diana, Jim Henson, or Ellen DeGeneres. Every person has a story, but how often do you get to immerse yourself in another person's life? You're about to hear an exclusive clip from Imagine Life, where you'll experience someone else's life, and only at the end of the episode will you find out who you are. The show is hosted by Academy Award nominee Virginia Madsen and Robbie Draymond. Look for new episodes on Friday, September 6th. Now while you're listening to this preview, be sure to subscribe to Imagine Life on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this story. Or wherever you're listening to this. You can also find a link in tonight's show notes. Imagine, you're standing in a construction site with a paintbrush in your hand. You take a step back and look up at the massive mural you've been painting across the wall of a tavern. It's 30 feet long and 8 feet high. An abstracted city skyline rendered in vivid ochres, greens, reds, and oranges. It'll be months before anyone sees it, but when they do, you'll hope it'll make them feel the way you feel now acutely alive. You've never felt more creative, more productive, or more engaged in your work. You are 47 years old, with the energy of a teenager. For the first time in a while, you're truly happy. And for the first time in your life, you're truly in love. You look over at your son, perched up high on a ladder painting. He's 22 years old, your second eldest. Your relationship's been tested in the past five years, but you've been trying to make good with him. Hey, John, you hungry? Starving. I brought you a sandwich. John climbs down the ladder and takes the sandwich with a smile. This, working side by side, is the closest you've felt since he was a boy. A worker pops his head in the tavern. Can you take a message? I'm working. Sounds important. You take a deep breath and head for the construction office. Yes, this is he. Slow down. I I can't hear you. A chill hits the back of your neck. It spreads outward as you listen. Down your spine, into your lungs, to your heart. You hang up the phone and walk back towards the tavern. Your steps are slow and deliberate, like your shoes are filled with cement. You enter the tavern and lock eyes with John. Everything okay, Dad? You struggle to speak. Dad, what is it? You lean against a table for support. What happened? You're scaring me. That was Harris from down the road. There's been a fire. Wait, where? Was anyone hurt? A house. He said it's it's terrible. I, 
I don't know. You grip the table even harder. Paint splatters everywhere as you nervously knock over the table. I think I heard him say, someone is dead. You pray it isn't her. Please, don't let it be her. From Wondery, I'm Robbie Damon, and this is Imagine Life. On each episode of Imagine Life, we take you on an immersive journey into the life of someone you may think you know, maybe even admire, or the opposite, before the whole world knew their name. You will experience the challenges, the heartbreaks, the loss, and the triumph. There will be clues to your identity along the way, and only at the end will you find out who you really are. So sit back, let go, and imagine your life. Please note, this episode contains some content that may be unsettling for children. This episode, The Lover. Imagine, you're the father of six. Six! At 42 years old. Papa, look what I built. A castle. You sit on the floor with Llewellyn, your youngest. He's almost seven. You play with his favorite blocks. They were your favorite blocks when you were a boy. It's wonderful, Lou. Let's make a drawbridge. You and your wife, Catherine, churned out six kids in the first decade of your marriage. A lot of kids for any couple to handle. But you'd do anything for them. You even built them this playroom, scaled down to a child's size so they'd have a special place just their own. You spend every spare minute here when you're home, drawing and building with them, and playing piano when it's time to calm down. A symphony to you is an edifice of sound. It's constructed, it's sculpted. A symphony is built, almost like a building, one beautiful stone at a time. Llewellyn throws his arms around your leg at the piano. Papa, can I play too? Yes, of course, Lou. Come sit on Papa's lap. Family is important to you. You can't always be here with them, but you carry them with you, and they fuel your work. Are you going away again, Papa? I have some work to do out of town. For how long? As long as it takes. You ask too many questions, Lou. Your wife, Catherine, emerges from the hall and stands at the entryway. Come play with us, Mama. After supper, maybe. Now it's time to head upstairs and wash up. Yes, Mama. Llewellyn dashes up the stairs. And tell your brothers and sisters supper's almost ready. She turns back toward you. Your beautiful wife. The setting sun backlighting her vivid red hair. Will you be joining us this evening? Why wouldn't I be, Catherine? You haven't had dinner with your family in weeks. I've been working. But I'm home now. Being home has never ensured you join us before. I will join you for dinner, dear. Catherine nods and begins her evening rounds of the playroom. You return to the piano and watch her picking up toys as you play. Her body language is stiff, standoffish cold. Catherine, 
Will you come to my study and look at my latest sketches? I don't have time to waste looking at pretty pictures. I have to finish dinner, clean up the kitchen, give the children their baths, and put them to bed. It's nice that you have leisure time to tinker on the piano, but some of us have work to do. I'll set a place for you at the table. You watch her walk away. She used to be so lovely when you met. Her cream-colored face and cherry lips once giggled with life when she looked in your eyes. She still looks the same, physically. A bit more tired, but still attractive. Something is missing, though. You take your place at the head of the dining table across from Catherine and watch her serve the children. Catherine is a good mother, a great mother. Every waking second, every breath she takes, she is devoted to the children. She leaves no time for herself. Certainly no time for you. Mama, can I have more potatoes, please? Clean your plate first, Francis. You catch her attention and offer her a smile. She returns the gesture, but there's no joy behind her eyes. After 20 years of marriage, you've grown accustomed to each other, yet you've grown apart. You respect each other, you coexist, but you do not flourish together. You don't laugh together. Not like you once did. After dinner, you head upstairs and slide into bed, side by side, but miles away. It's been a year since you were intimate. You roll onto your side to look at her. Good night, my dear. Catherine turns away from you. Good night. You wish you could have the old Catherine back. You miss her. You miss love. That was just a preview of Imagined Life Season 2. To hear the rest of the story and guess who our mysterious subject is, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Now, I realize this isn't a paranormal-themed podcast, but it certainly is mystery-based. And I'll be honest, it sort of caught my ear. Just something about a mystery that I don't know the answer to that basically forces me to look into it. At any rate, please give Imagine Life Season 2 a shot. Again, you can find a link in tonight's show notes, or you can simply search Imagine Life wherever you find fine podcasts. Well, thanks to the fine folks at Wondery, we get to play a couple more stories. So our next story of the evening takes us to the state of Colorado. The following is Dalton's story. So my name is Dalton. Um, I live in Arvada, Colorado. Um, First of all, your podcast is awesome. Um, I've been binge-watching it for the last probably three weeks. Started season one, um, almost to season seven now. Um, But I kind of wanted to tell you a little story. Um, Back, oh gosh, I must have been maybe seven. Um, we, me, my mom, my stepdad and my brother and my sister, uh, brother being older, a year older and my sister being a year younger, or I'm sorry, uh, six years younger. Um, we were all sitting in the basement. Um, 
And as we're in the basement, you know, as I said, we had just moved in. Um, we're all, you know, young, wanting to get to know the place and, you know, having fun and just enjoying the new new place that we're in. So we're down in the basement, um, and this was a newly, I guess a new-ish house. Um, had to have been built in maybe the 80s. Um, so we're sitting there anyway, we're downstairs, um, us three are playing, um, and my mom and my stepdad come down. Um, we had a pool table down there. We had just put down a recliner, um, and a TV, um, just to kind of make it feel more homey, I guess. Um, so as we're sitting down there, we're all messing around. I have some, my stepdad playing with the pool table my mom's trying to set up the cable to the tv um and us kids are just you know playing playing around running around downstairs so as the night progresses we go um towards the tv is um and mind you there's nobody nobody on the recliner nobody near the TV um, so all of a sudden it was the creepiest thing all of a sudden we're talking about how we don't you know this is a new house and we you know anything could happen you know new creeks it's just kind of a spooky place so um, I'm not sure why I kind of felt that way it was just kind of just a weird basement so we're sitting there and out of nowhere the recliner busts open the foot the bottom of the feet recliner springs open and the recliner falls all the way back and in the same moment the TV turns on which is unplugged like Everything is unplugged. We are just moving the TV in. Like, we're just trying to get everything set up. And in the moment, the TV turns on, and it's just static. Everybody in that room stopped, and there was no noise. We all looked at each other, and we just kind of brushed it off, I guess. And we kind of said, you know, this is... Anything could have happened. I mean, the recliner could have jolted open the TV. I mean, I'm not sure how it could have turned on without the 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 actual TV being plugged in. But, I mean, it was just very, very spooky. Um, like I said, I've been watching your podcast, and some of this stuff has just been coming up to me. Um, I've just kind of been remembering it, and... As I hear other people say it, you know, I've been listening to your show and I remembered this thing. I kind of thought that that was kind of just like a bogus thing. Um, But the more that I hear from your podcast, the more that I remember from my childhood. So I just kind of wanted to run that by you. Um, I have some more stories for you. Um, Some creepy, some scary, hilarious stories. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd let you know about this one. Um, great job with the podcast. You, 
I listen to you all day, every day. Thank you, Dalton. Now, if I'm hearing this correctly, it's almost as if you're implying that somebody in the room may have had some sort of telekinesis abilities. Some ability to manipulate objects with their, uh, I guess, mind. With unseen forces, we'll put it that way. Now, of course, it sounds kind of ludicrous when I say it out loud. But it wouldn't be the only time that people have blamed humans on paranormal activity. If you think of the case of poltergeists, there are many paranormal investigators that claim that adolescent young women actually somehow influence poltergeist activity. And some even suggest that they create it. Now, is it possible that one of the children in the room's imagination was simply so acute, so powerful, that they were able to manifest movement of the recliner simply with their mind? Now, strangely enough, this story brought back a memory I completely forgot about when I was a kid. It's not quite as exciting as Dalton's story, but here it goes. When I was a kid, I was a huge horror buff, and any other kid that was hanging out with me had to become a horror buff with me. We would watch everything from Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and when the Critters franchise came out, when I was uh, probably eight or nine, that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Little tiny animals that shot needles, mouth full of teeth, they were my favorite. So anyway, we would watch these films, at least the first one or two at this point. And afterward, we decided we were going to play a game called Catch Critters or something along those lines, where we would actually run around with Nerf guns and try to collect imaginary critters. Well, this one particular time, we walked into a storage room and things just started moving on their own. And it was all light stuff. It was sheets of styrofoam insulation fell over, or maybe a couple sheets of drywall as the room was under construction. But I never did figure out what the cause was. And of course, when you're eight, the cause had to have been critters. Now, I suppose it was likely it could have been maybe rodents or an animal had gotten in there and we spooked it, but I remember that being a lot scarier than it should have been. So I completely feel where you're coming from, Dalton, and thank you for sharing your story. And that's going to bring us to our final story of the evening. The following comes to us from Michelle in the state of Pennsylvania. Hi, Derek. My name's Michelle, and I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, about uh, 40 miles northwest of Philadelphia in a very rural area between a city called Reading and one called Lancaster. We're rich in folklore and hauntings, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch country. Anyway, so I'm well-versed and always had an interest in all things paranormal ever since I was a kid. I've had a variety of experiences, lived in a few places in this region that had some interesting stories, which I'd like to share at some point in the future. But this is the most interesting thing. In a recent episode, you mentioned that you are personally at home having issues with things breaking down, electronic things malfunctioning, you know, everything kind of breaking or having issues all at the same time. I had this same problem about two years ago, almost exactly two years ago in the spring of 2017. Uh, But here's the weirdest thing. After months of having all kinds of issues, plumbing problems, appliances dying, uh, a two-year-old car's electrical system malfunctioning, I would take it into the shop, they would fix it. 
I would go back, pick it up. It would malfunction again. I had it in the shop three times. Anyway, this is the weirdest thing to come out of that period of time in the spring of 2017. It was a normal Sunday afternoon, springtime, a little overcast, you know, that perfect springtime weather, not too hot, not too cold. It wasn't raining. And uh, I was just doing normal weekend chores, you know, cleaning the house, doing laundry. And I was emptying my dishwasher. So I'm emptying the dishwasher and I had a half gallon plastic bottle, you know, that you buy in the store uh, that I had put through the dishwasher. I often keep them. I make homemade iced tea or something and I, I fill them up. So I had run this half gallon plastic container and its lid, which was bright red, through my dishwasher. And the lid had fallen down in the bottom of the dishwasher. So I grabbed it and rinsed it and dried it with a paper towel and wanted to move on putting the rest of the dishes away. So I put this red lid, not the paper towel I used to dry it, just the lid into my pocket. I was wearing an oversized, uh, very large on me man's hoodie, which was zipped up. And I put the lid all on its own in one of the deep front pockets of the hoodie and continued to put all of the dishes away. At the end of that, I remembered the lid because I had the empty bottle. And I reached into the pocket of my hoodie and I grabbed it with my hand, closed my fingers around the lid. And as I brought my hand up out of the hoodie pocket, I could feel it in my hand. And when I opened my hand, it was gone. It, it wasn't there. And I looked everywhere. I, I put my hands in both pockets. I took the hoodie off. I turned the pockets inside out. I shook it, I looked all around the kitchen floor, but I, I knew what had happened, I felt it. You know, I put it in there just a few moments earlier, I reached in, I felt it in my hands, like I said, I felt my fingers close around it, I could feel its circular plasticness in the palm of my hand, and then as I, that, you know, how many seconds does it take to remove your hand from a pocket? As I brought it out and went, opened my fingers, it was gone. And like I said, I've had a lot of strange experiences. I've lived in some houses that were very active. I spent nine years living in a house right next to a cemetery. I got lots of tales to tell about that. But this freaked me out so bad that it shook me for weeks after it happened. I didn't find the lid. I told my, my teenage kids about it. I told everybody I knew about it. I spent time online looking for other people who had had similar experiences and found some interesting stories. I listen to your podcast and others like it. I had never heard a story like this, really. Uh, and here's the weird thing. That was in the spring of 2017. In the fall of 2018, so not that long ago, about 18 months after this incident happened, I had worn that hoodie a million times. I had worn it to a garden. I had worn it at the beach over my bathing suit. I had washed it, of course, many times. But in the fall of 2018, I took it out of my front hall closet and put it on to go walk my dog. And I think I had worn it not a week earlier. So I put this hoodie on and I'm getting my things together that you need to take on a dog walk. You know, your house key, your cell phone, some earbuds. And I love this hoodie because it has those nice deep pockets in a man's hoodie as opposed to a woman's hoodie to hold all of that. And I reached my hand in my pocket to make sure that my phone was, the volume was adjusted. And I felt something in there and I pulled it out and it was the red lid. 
it reappeared where it had disappeared a year and a half prior. And I had long since thrown the bottle in my recycling bin. <laughs> so that was just the weirdest thing. Yeah, I, I have no explanation for that. And it still floors me. You know, years later, I, I still can't understand it. But I have to say that happened when I was having all that stuff like you, breaking down cars, household stuff, electrical things. And since then, that very dog that I walk, I have a 150-pound Great Dane German Shepherd mix. He's very chill. He's been through obedience training, and he's now nine years old. Even as a, a young dog, he was very chill, never destructive, no separation anxiety, no behavior problems at all. Since then, since the spring of 2017, and it's now the spring of 2019, he looks up at the ceiling and barks at something we can't see. My family and I, or if I have friends over, we will be eating in the kitchen and the dog will behave in this manner and he never used to. So I don't know what happened <laughs> in May of 2017 on that Sunday afternoon with all the, the everything in my life breaking down and then this lid disappeared and then it reappeared and ever since then my dog apparently sees things in my house and goes ballistic and it's just the strangest thing and I'd love to know if anybody else has had a similar experience because like I said I've had lived in some really strange houses where money appeared on the table and where things disappeared and then reappeared but I have never had anything disappear from my hand and then to have it show up a year and a half later in the very pocket of the same garment where it disappeared really freaks me out and during this time right before the lid disappeared this may be interesting one evening I was asleep and I'm a pretty deep sleeper I woke up in the middle of the night to feel a cat jump on my bed and walk up my body to the point where when I opened my eyes, I expected to be nose to nose with a cat. And just for the record, I've never owned a cat. Weird. Thanks for the podcast. It's wonderful. I live dedicated, loyal listener. I love your show. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Michelle. Now, believe it or not, this is not the first and only time we've heard of something like this on the show. If you remember back to Brett in Indiana's call, she talked about a blob of missing ketchup or perhaps barbecue sauce that mysteriously disappeared and then reappeared on her arm, a place that she'd looked several times before. And if you go way back, I believe the submitter's name was Gabriel. He described an encounter he had as a child where he put his toys inside a bucket and would circle them around, and when he'd lift the bucket, they'd simply disappear. And when he did it in reverse, they seemed to come back. So I certainly don't have any explanations for any of this activity. But I can tell you that this is not the only occurrence. So whatever this is, some sort of wormhole or glitch in the Matrix, we're aware of it. We've got our eye on it. Thank you again, Michelle, for sharing your story. And a big thank you to Wondery for sponsoring tonight's episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pond Abbott, Eddie Lloyd, and Tony Bell. Music from this episode was provided by Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.